But with the United States' image, global role, and reliability newly uncertain, Europeans feel a void that someone must fill. And France thinks it should at least try to do just that. Entre nous. France and the United States have historically offered up similar but competing messages to the world. American exceptionalism is matched by France's claim of being the birthplace of human rights. As Sarkozy once quipped, the two countries are separated by common values. France and the United States may not always see eye to eye on policy, but they both stand for humanistic values harking back to the Enlightenment. Against that backdrop, Trump's blunt abandonment of even the pretense of defending a liberal international order and its accompanying body of human rights conventions has marked a watershed. Trump's style is also anathema to the French. The view from Paris is that Trump is a vulgar plutocrat who came to office by pandering to the unsophisticated masses and who might leave office early in scandal. His foreign policy positions, in their view, alternate between 1930s-style isolationism and trigger-happy unilateralism. As tempting as it may be for the French to look down their noses at the United States, however, they know that their country is not immune to right-wing populism. In France's presidential runoff in May, Le Pen received more than 10 million votes, a third of the total. But in the wake of Macron's decisive victory over Le Pen, the French have rightly felt a sense of pride for having slowed down or perhaps even halted the march of populism across Europe, especially when across the Atlantic, Trump's America looks like something out of Ubu Roy, the 19th century French satirical play about an obscene king. But anxieties persist, and with the destiny of the West seemingly at stake, France feels as much discomfort as it does smugness. Still, to a certain degree, the country is adopting a wait-and-see approach to Trump. His election has not brought the French out on the streets. There have been no demonstrations with such slogans as Vive la France, Abas l'Amérique de Trump, Long Live France, Down with Trump's America, nor have the French seized on Trump's disregard for NATO as a pretext to revive past grudges against the alliance, which some French saw as a vehicle for American imperial domination. De Gaulle has long ago turned in his grave. No official in Paris wants to undo France's 2009 return to NATO's integrated military structure, which he had pulled out of in 1966. Nor has Trump's presidency sparked a groundswell of hostility toward the United States as a whole. It's his personality, not his country, that draws so much contempt. This is good news for any future U.S. president who decides to revive the transatlantic link. To be sure, anti-Americanism hasn't vanished from France. It's still present on both extremes of the political spectrum. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, the former Trotskyist who won nearly 20% of the vote in the first round of this year's presidential election, loves to rant against U.S. policies while evincing little discomfort with those of various dictators. Le Pen, for her part, was seen sipping coffee in Trump Tower during her campaign without meeting the man, and she did applaud his election. Congratulations to the American people. Free, she tweeted. But her party's nationalist ideology, as well as French opinion polls, showing a deep dislike for Trump, made it hard for her to speak of the prospect of a Franco-American love fest. 
Instead, she chose to accentuate her fondness for Russian President Vladimir Putin. Setting aside these populists, most French distinguish between Trump, whom they see as an aberration, and the United States institutions, on which their hopes still rest. But even though many French look back at Obama with nostalgia, so much so that Macron sought out and received his endorsement, he was not universally loved inside the Elysee Palace, the official home of France's president. In fact, it is hard to overstate how livid the French foreign policy establishment was with Obama's hesitant decision-making style, particularly when it came to Syria. The paroxysm came in August 2013, when Obama, having warned Syria's Bashar al-Assad that the use of chemical weapons would represent the crossing of a red line, prepared to enforce it with an airstrike when Assad did just that. Rafale fighter jets were ready to take off for a joint U.S.-French operation that...